Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you, Simon, for that uh, lovely welcome. Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you. My name is Alan Emerson, as Simon has said. I just uh, come from Lurgan, or just outside it. I live in Moira now, Upper Lurgan, and um, <laughs> it's uh, it's a uh, great it's great to be here, and it's great to be uh, part of this historic, uh, beautiful, wonderful convention that over many years has uh, blessed many, inspired and mobilized many, and so it's just a wonderful privilege and honor to um, take a, a little bit of a, a role in, in that tonight. I uh, helped lead the 24-7 prayer movement in Ireland as well as helped lead my home church in Lurgan, and um, I, I want to tell you a little bit about 24-7 prayer and through that some of the things that we have learned that will hopefully um, in some ways tell you some of the good news stories of what we feel God is doing around the world and in Ireland, uh, and also maybe uh, recalibrate our spirits around this great privilege that we have as people to connect with the loving Heavenly Father, who's affected by the cries of his children. 24-7 prayer began 15 years ago with a bunch of young people, students, or mid-twenties, or just thought they were just a bunch of <clears throat> ragamuffins, Skellywags, we might say, who love Jesus and who wanted to see, in their words, a turning of the tide of aimless living, evil, um, depression, just young people uh, really ruining their lives. And, and, and they got quite passionate. We often call 24 7 prayer the accidental prayer movement because none of us really thought we were that good at praying. And um, also because we never really planned what it has become. And so the leader, really, or one of the leaders, Pete Gregg, 15 years ago as a, as, a, as a young man thought, you know, I've planted a few youth churches, and but I keep waking up in the middle of the night weeping and hungering after more of the things of God. He was an activist more than he was the typical kind of prayer person, but he knew God was calling and tugging at his heart and inspired by the Moravians who many of you are aware of, who in the 17th century um, started a prayer movement. The Moravians, for those who don't, don't know, earned, uh, lived on land on uh, Count Ludwig's in Zinderdorf's territory. It's always just worthwhile saying his name because it's great. Um, and so Count Ludwig's in Zinderdorf, who was a young man, aristocrat, who gave his life to Jesus, committed himself to loving God with a few friends, took a, took a vow that they would love God, be kind to one another, and take the gospel to the nations. It became known as the vow of the mustard seed, and uh, an incredible movement of mission. And he gave his land to the Moravians, and the Moravians, um, after coming to faith, started a prayer meeting, and they reckon that that prayer meeting lasted for 100 years. 24 men, 24 women signed up to pray night and day. They taught their children how to pray. And most of the modern mission movement is attributed to much of the prayer that happened. The Great Awakenings are arguably attributed to the prayer that happened in the Moravians over that particular period of time. 
And so Pete and his friends were struck in Dresden, where the, or just outside of where the prayer movement for the Moravians, they went to visit it. They were struck by the ordinariness of it, and yet by the extraordinary things that God had, had did through it. And they realized if, if God can, can do use ordinary people, maybe he could use us who are just looking to see God do something in our generation. And so they thought if they can do it for 100 years, we might as well give it a go for a month. And so they took a little room in the side of their church, they decorated it, they tried to allow some creativity and honesty to come into our prayers that often we've um, kept out. And they started, to, um, they started to pray night and day, they got a rota, asked people to commit for an hour, day and night, and, uh, and all sorts of wonderful things started to happen as people encountered the presence of God. You see, we love the corporate prayer meeting, but there's something about that cold church hall on a Tuesday night in the middle of winter on green plastic seats where we all sit around in a corner and pray one after the... It's great. I want to honor the faithfulness of all of those prayers. But it's not exactly appealing in other ways to lots of the world, lots of people who live in this town and all around this nation who tonight want to talk to Jesus. And so there was something about these prayer rooms that just seemed to open up an invitation where people could come in and honest prayers of the heart, broken prayers, disappointed prayers, passionate prayers could spill out all the things that sometimes we have to dress up. I grew up in the church and I always found this Worrying because I grew up in a church and there was a particular man, he was a lovely man of God, but when he came to church, he used to turn into, an, when he talked to God, he turned into an American. And um, <laughs> for some reason, this man who lived in Northern Ireland had an accent just like me, he called God the Father. When he talked to God the Father, he called him Father. And uh, he used to say these words that somehow made me wonder, what, is, what, is, what have we lost here about normal human beings who have been created in the image of their maker, connecting with the God of the universe and pouring out the honesty of their souls before him? Either the gospel is the gospel and it is about grace and we come as we are, or we feel we have to kind of dress it up with some other religious language that all the time Jesus, when he came, was trying to pour back and pull back to get to the very heart of who we were. And Jesus' cry was that his house would be a house of prayer. Why? Because he wanted to be with his people. It's always been his desire. The narrative that runs right through the Bible and the God story is that the father of this universe wants his children in relationship with them and it proves to us how desperately he wants that in in Jesus and so the guys started this prayer space all sorts of wonderful things happened they wanted to stop it Pete was going to stop it after a month a few young people said no we can't stop we have to keep it going they kept praying for three another two months for three months all together and within the next two months all sorts of incredible things started to happen as people started to take this and model it out in shop fronts, in naval academies, in schools, in churches, in all the most weird and wonderful places, people started to pray. It was just around the same time as the internet was really catching on, and there became a connectedness all around the world of people praying. And 15 years on, we're still doing it. A global night and day prayer movement. 15 years on, we're catching up with the Moravians. 
And God is doing incredible things. I went on to the 24-7 website today. At this moment in time, 98 groups are praying in 25 different countries right now, all over the world. And so we really started to realize that we have just stumbled into something that the Holy Spirit is doing all around the world as God is preparing his people to meet his son. And all around the world, there is a there is people that God is, God is calling his church to prioritize his presence. To be people that love him, that abide in him. The people who take serious what Jesus said when he said, without me, you can do nothing. That we would lay down our ambitions. That we would lay down our structures at times. Our, our need to sort everything out and understand everything. We would lay it all down just to be with our Father. And that's what the Lord seems to be doing all around the world. And we realized that we were just, for want of a better phrase, surfing a wave of God around the world and trying to keep up with it. It's not the only prayer movement. We're not trying to build a brand. We're not interested in that at all. We're just interested in the fact that God all around the world today is calling his church back into a place of prayer and doing that with amazing honesty, freedom, creativity as we see his glory displayed through his people. And as we have journeyed on this, we have found a few things out about prayer. We've, we've come to realize not just that we've fallen more in love with Jesus as we are with him, but he's, he's revealed his heart to us. And as he reveals his heart to us, prayer becomes this incredible invitation And we use this kind of language. We say prayer is not just an invitation to intimacy with him. It's also an invitation to involvement in the world with him. Prayer is an invitation to intimacy. I always find it interesting when that lovely verse in Psalm 27 where it says, the psalmist says, When I heard you say, seek my face. When I heard you say, Here's a challenge to me and to us as a, ch- as a church. When was the last time that you were still enough to hear? When was the last time I was still enough to hear the words, seek my face, draw aside, come away with me? When I heard you say, it appears that every moment of every day, the cry from heaven is, seek my face. When I heard you say, seek my face, my heart said, your face, Lord, I will seek. See, I'm coming to learn that, I think it's Joy Dawson who said, anything that's not born in prayer is usually born in pride. And, and as we keep being drawn back into this, it's no wonder that Jesus said, you see, the thing about John 15, when Jesus says, abide in me, a branch really doesn't do an awful lot. Sure, it doesn't. It just, it bears fruit. But it can't bear fruit if it's not connected to the vine. And, and prayer is this incredible invitation from the Father to, to seek his face, to be one with him, to be in his presence, and to be changed and transformed, to bear fruit. Remain in me. It's the primary way that God wants. So that's why Jesus, when he came, he said, when, when the disciples said, Jesus, what is it about the way that you pray? <laughs> They were used to all this, this highfalutin language, to all this sanctimonious religious acts, 
where people would have prayed big, long prayers and been out to impress one another. But when Jesus prayed, there was something about the intimacy and the heartfelt nature that the disciples said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus said, okay, when you do, start like this. Father. Father. It's beautiful, isn't it? This is the invitation to to prayer. And what we've started to learn is that as we do that and as we're changed and as we become aware of our sonship and our daughtership, if you like, then we become more aware of who we are. You see, I think the devil's biggest fear is that we actually get who we are. (laughs) I think the devil's biggest concern is that we actually realize that in Christ who we've become and all that's available blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places more than conquerors overcomers if God be for us who can be against us if we don't know who we are we won't live like we're supposed to live if you don't know you're a son then you won't live like a son and we've found that as we've entered into the place of prayer that we become more aware of the very authority that we carry in prayer and so prayer as an invitation to intimacy leads us into the invitation to be involved with God in his world. And that's what he's always wanted. He's always wanted us to be co-partners with him, his vice regents on the earth, crowned with glory and honor to fulfill his mission in the world. And so I, I have come to realize that, that, that prayer is essential. Things, I know there's mystery attached to God's sovereignty and we could spend all night having theological conversations about that and that would be wonderful but I've come to realize that the only way that we can read the Bible with integrity is when we realize that God is deeply affected by the prayers of his people God is deeply he's a father and when we call on God when we intercede if you like to use that word when we intercede and call on God for mercy on behalf of the ones that he gave his son Jesus for. We press a button deep in the Father's heart that activates a response from him. Things really do hang in the balance at times. And our prayers matter and God is affected by them. In the 24-7 prayer, we've come to realize this. I think it was Martin Luther that said, prayer is not about overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of God's willingness. I love that. I, I kind of grew up in the church thinking I had to twist God's arm, arm up his back to get something. If it was a good boy, then this might happen. And Prayer isn't about overcoming God's reluctance. We're praying to a father who's more willing to give than we are to receive. And when we pray, we lay hold, we seize hold of the desire of God's heart to move on behalf of the ones he loved. And so in 24-7 prayer, we're just seeing some of the most incredible ways that we've got involved with God in what he's doing around the world and as we've been broken in that place by the things that break his heart. Last year in some of the more general international things that are going on, last year the Archbishop of Canterbury asked 24-7 prayer if if on the way to his enthronement (laughs) if we would help prepare the way in prayer. And so he visited the cathedrals in England asking us would we come along and set up prayer stations in every one. We didn't know if anyone would come. Thousands, thousands flocked in to the cathedrals and wrote 
post-it note prayers and stuck them on walls and engaged in praying for the nation. We're seeing prayer spaces in schools all over, all over the place. In HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton, where Alpha comes from, there's a permanent prayer space there now from January 2013, night and day, every single hour of the day. In, in April last year, you couldn't get a slot for three months. We don't have to, we, we should go and visit and get inspired, but we don't have to go to South Korea and China these days to see people praying night and day. In Ireland at the moment, we have seen over 150 different prayer, prayer rooms that we know of just from different denominations all over the country, north and south, who have prayed night and day in Ireland this year. I think that's a good news story. The Bishop of Down and Dromore has told that all the 70 churches in the diocese of Down and Dromore, he wants them to pray <laughs> night and day, all of 2014, which means at some point in every minute of every day, in every hour, this year in 2014, people have been praying for our land. That's a good news story. There is a swelling and a momentum of prayer that God is moving across our land with. We have a sense and we have a picture that we're carrying around with us of a circuit board. And we believe that in prayer God is soldering parts of the circuit board, different people with a, that love Jesus, with an agenda to see the kingdom come in Ireland over and above any kind of man-made empire. And that circuit board we sense is being joined up, soldered together, so that if, if and when the Holy Spirit begins to move, that it'll move through relationships. It doesn't need to stop at one denomination. We don't need to brand it and market it and do all that kind of stuff that we often try to do in the West but that we just see a beautiful movement of Jesus coming in response to God's promise that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray, then I will come and heal their land. And so I just want to encourage you to join with us in your churches, in your own time. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for this province. Let's pray that we see a move of God. I, I want to live through. I don't want to talk about old-time revivals. I want, to, I want to live in one. I want my children to live in one. I want to live through a time when God moved and people were bound to knee to him in their droves. And as we've sought God and as we've met with God in our prayer rooms, we've felt God's heart to go to the most broken. And so we see prayer and mission going together. See, we've done, we did this thing in the church where we've separated prayer and mission. We've got our prayer departments and then we've got our mission committees. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong in that. Sometimes we need those to get on with the work and to help in organizing. But you know, it's, it's life. It's life. Prayer and mission is life. <laughs> it's not something we turn on when we go to a meeting. It's we breathe God in and we breathe God out. That's prayer. We breathe him in every day. Get the opportunity to breathe in the breath of God and the spirit of God. We breathe him in. He sends his heart and we go to the most broken, the ones that he loves, and we find him there and we breathe him out in acts of love and compassion, truth and justice. It's life and it's radical discipleship 
is found and birthed in the place of prayer. All the great men and women of God that I look to, that I am inspired by, they all had a prayer life. They all had a life that was daily centered on the person and the love of Jesus. And we're seeing some incredible things in some of the darkest places on earth. Seeing prayer and mission communities in Ibiza, in Macedonia amongst the Roma community, in Kansas City, in West Belfast, in Lebanon among Syrian refugees, in South Africa in townships, as people have just centered their lives in God and got their hearts broken by the things that, have break, that break the Father's heart. And they have gone in response to that. I'm, I'm finished. Just, I was thinking just tonight as it was coming of the great story, the famous story of the great David Wilkerson, who was the inspiration behind Nicky Cruz and all those books that we read growing up in school and Sunday school. And, uh, you know, the story, the backstory is that he was reading Time, I think it was Time magazine or a magazine, and he, he read about a, a gang murder where some young men were killed, and he felt God say to him, you need to pray for these boys. He was a pastor of a relatively large church, doing what seemed the normal Christian ministry thing to do, and God just broke his heart. And so he decided that every night he was going to turn the TV off and pray these boys and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and then one day Nicky Cruz walked into his church walked up to the front started to shout at him he, David Wilkinson responded he was threatened and he said you can cut me in a thousand pieces and every part of me will bleed Jesus loves you Nicky Cruz gave his life to Jesus the rest is history where did it start? Somebody turned their TV off at night and getting on their knees and praying. The birthplace of mission is prayer in the heart of God. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your heart. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for demonstrating this love to us at Calvary. Thank you for all that you're doing around the world God, as the darkness seems to get darker, we thank you, Lord, that there's places where the light is shining even brighter. And God, we cry out to you for our lands, for our nation. For the nations, Lord, we pray and ask you, God, to continue to stir your church in these days, to rise up and be the church that you've called to be. We pray that we'd understand our authority in you, pray that you would call us into that intimate place and in that place that you would call us to involve ourselves in the world to be your hands and feet to see a change and a difference made your great dream for the world to come to pass we ask in Jesus name Amen Amen. Thank you Well Alan has reminded us that prayer is an invitation to enter We trust you've enjoyed this podcast if you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.